Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Hello and welcome to today's Now Nancy with me, Nancy G. Matthews. We are well into summer and while we have warmth, I'm sort of uh, continuing this theme of bodily experience. So last month we had Let's Get Physical and this month is Sensory Overload, looking at the sensory, the sensual and all things sensation. I've also got some great tracks too, some recommended by my guests and some by you lovely listeners and some from my own brain. So this one's from me. It's very on brand and it's a duo band from Australia that I've recently got really into. They have such a great sound and it's a bit of a throwback to like Aqua and Weird Songs of My Youth and that sort of electro pop beat. They're so fun. This is Confidence Man with Does It Make You Feel Good? Priya, thanks so much for joining me. Hi, thank you for having me. I wanted to ask you straight off what if you could talk a bit about um, the exhibition and if uh, just for those who haven't visited and a bit of a description about it. Yeah, so the exhibition is called Weird Sensation Feels Good um, and it's all about this nascent really creative movement called ASMR on the internet that involves content creators, designers, creating videos, creating sound that sort of triggers this physical sensation of euphoria or calm or tingling in their viewers. So that's what it's all about. And the exhibitions are sort of environment in which you can experience ASMR and understand how people are using new and existing tools and materials to kind of navigate the environment um, and to create this feeling of ASMR in their viewers. Mm. I mean, it's, and it is such a, it's because I think everyone's heard of it in some way or another, but to have it encapsulated in this way is so fascinating. And um, the design of like the actual space is really interesting. Maybe that or anything else. I wondered if there's like a particular work or area of the exhibition that you would want to recommend listeners check out or would like to discuss. Yeah, there's some really interesting works in the exhibition um, and some that you might not expect. One is the shipping forecast. So um, the shipping forecast in the exhibition is from the 16th of February 2022. And it's basically a calm voice reading the weather information relevant to kind of maritime traffic, which, you know, 
some people listening to for information purposes, but others switch it on for its kind of reassuring predictability and the calming effect that it has. Um, so that's an example of what we call unintentional ASMR. So it wasn't created for the purpose of creating, you know, of calming people, but it happens to incidentally have that effect. It's sort of this idea of a steady voice delivering factual information. Yeah, it can can create ASMR, which is kind of amazing. Mm. And I I actually it remarked because I it was in my notes from when I went to see the exhibition. I loved that and I loved the Bob Ross room as well with the unintentional ASMR. Like so it's a really nice thought that you might not have when thinking of the subject and actually it reminds me um just to go a bit off piece um it reminds me of I don't know if you've heard the story of Olivia Coleman when she was doing the crown but she got too emotional during other people's scenes and of course playing the queen you have to be very reserved and you know contained and apparently they actually gave her an earpiece where they would play the shipping forecast to, no way. To, yeah, to keep her calm and distracted so she could almost zone out while Helena Bonham Carter was sort of weeping as her sister in front of her because otherwise she would just be too emotive and too too empathetic so I like this idea of the shipping forecast you being used to numb everyone that's crazy yeah but yeah it actually does and you also mentioned Bob Ross who is yeah. you know kind of considered the godfather of ASMR in some ways and we have a sort of in an immersive space in the exhibition where you can see Bob Ross painting and listen to his really calming voice um, and the sounds of the, the kind of whispering, the brushing of a the canvas. They kind of yeah give you this sense of familiarity and the predictable and that kind of positive affirmation that you get from that and the gentleness has made it a really popular form of ASMR, one of the earliest examples. Yeah, and also like quite a particularly joyful one, I think, which is a really, like a lot of people, it's actually quite, there's a sentimentality to, I know, a kind of warmth to it, which I think is really reassuring and pleasant, because sometimes it's very physical or, but that one in tone is almost sort of like Christmas or something. <laughs> I feel yeah, like. and yeah. another one that I really like is the first whispering video uploaded to YouTube. It was uploaded in 2009 by someone called Whispering Life ASMR um, and they're kind of whispering into the into a microphone and saying this might sound really weird but I really love hearing other people whisper um, so I thought I'd make this whispering channel and it's like you know is there anyone else out there who feels the same um, and it's just really wonderful to hear this individual feeling their way through this new material and kind of coming out and saying this is how it makes me feel so mm. Whispering Life is now you know, credited as a seminal figure in the ASMR movement and continues to make ASMR on YouTube now. And talking about the movement uh, on, a, on, on that scale, um, the exhibition was launched during Mental Health Awareness Week and it obviously does have a huge part to play with mental health, but also brain function more generally. And obviously there's a scientific element and the Design Museum often works at this intersection between science and art. And I wondered if you could talk about this in the exhibition and then how this is a, a kind of unique focus of your programme at the museum more broadly. Um, yeah, I mean... ASMR is a we've looked at it as a cultural movement and as the design museum that's the aspect of it that interests us but it has also sparked the interest of scientists and kind of psychologists but I think at the moment it's sort of fighting a battle to be recognized as a as a, having significance 
in the guise of science because it's thought to be a, a, a sham or a pseudoscience, but there is a wider movement lobbying to have ASMR better recognized um, and the benefits of ASMR are starting to be looked at now by scientists. But yeah, this exhibition is primarily about the creativity around ASMR and the kind of cultural response to it. But do you think there is that because of obviously the design focus as well, but there's there is a sort of bridging in, in your approach, which there aren't in other organisations. And is that challenging or is it that you take each subject matter as is, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think we look at the world through the lens of design. So that can be a designer like Charlotte Perrion. Um, it can be a, something that relates more to pop culture or could be film, like we looked at Stanley Kubrick. We've also looked at fashion designers um, like Paul Smith and Azadine Elia. So I think does the way of looking at the world through design offers an opportunity to focus on the kind of material culture aspects um, and the storytelling around that. And yeah, we wanted to for digital design to have a presence in our program. You know, technology is so fast evolving um, and it's spawned so many new forms of, of culture that we haven't yet stopped to reflect on in an exhibition context. Um, so we've been thinking for a while, you know, what are the stories around digital design that we can tell and do justice to in an experiential way? Um, and ASMR, you know, we there was an exhibition about it at Arcdes in Stockholm, a smaller exhibition, which we found really compelling and we started a conversation with them. Um, and then we worked with the curator of that show, James Taylor Foster, to create this sort of expanded version and introduce some new elements. Yeah, so, we we want we felt that you know digital design really needed to be done justice and yeah I think ASMR was a really wonderful opportunity to to do that absolutely and I I think this idea of the sensory experience is a fascinating one and I was curious as to how I suppose if you broaden that out like how vital that is to the exhibition experience more generally you know because there's the visual element but this idea of really honing in on that is this something that you're has this exhibition led you to consider that more with other with other projects definitely I mean this isn't a conventional museum show firstly there's a very limited number of objects so the experience is really paramount and the exhibition design is really driven towards creating a sense of experience so we worked with a Riga-based architecture practice called ITA, who were behind the design of the exhibition. Um, and they created this amazing kind of arena at the heart of the gallery, which is formed out of a, a kind of snaking pillow, which visitors can lie down on and listen to a curated set selection of ASMR works, uh, some intentional ASMR, unintentional ASMR, um, and so, yeah, this experience is extremely important to the to the gallery to the way the gallery has been designed. Um, the, the visitor kind of walks in, and there's kind of contextual material about ASMR and two um, sort of installations on the outer perimeter of the gallery, and then you move in to this cushion space, and within that, you kind of wear headphones and. Um, as, as, as I was saying, you kind of lie down and it's been just really amazing to see how people interact with the space and the sense of calm and relaxation that radiates from it. Mm. Yeah. 
yeah totally it's I mean it was such a new experience for me in terms of that and in terms of this it's almost like a breathing space that there was something very there was something organic about the shaping of it as well so you felt like you were in a sort of inside a sort of the belly of, of a quite relaxed beast <laughs> in a way yeah that's a really nice way of describing it <laughs> I suppose something that I was curious about within this is and that's being reevaluated more and more with the ex- with exhibition experiences with cultural you know organizations are thinking about this a lot more this idea of access and accessibility and what are the challenges of bearing this in mind with the work that you do at the museum because you know, people have different sensory needs. So th- this show actually made me consider that, but in a, in a broader way. Yeah, I mean, access and accessibility is paramount in every exhibition that we make now. We talk about ac- access and accessibility. Um, obviously, we want our exhibitions to be wheelchair accessible. And we, we always, through the interpretation process, think about people with different needs sensory needs and physical needs Mm. um this particular exhibition is obviously quite heavily focused on sound because asmr is primarily a sound movement Um, and there are headphones in the exhibition and microphones in the exhibition but interestingly it's also about replicating a sense of touch through Mm. other media through through um sound and through the visual And so in that sense, ASMR could be interesting to people, you know, who have hearing difficulties through the idea of vibrations and the idea of, yeah, reflecting sound through touch and the different textures that ASMR creates. So that's something we definitely thought about. But with all of our exhibitions, we kind of workshop accessibility with a group internally who deal with access EDI group we also have uh, visitor experience staff who staff our front of house and are in our galleries all the time and they've got to know like all different types of audiences over time um, and it's really interesting to have their insights and for them to be kind of audience advocates we often talk to them about text within a gallery for example so a show I'm working on for next year We've been working with a graphic designer on some really interesting bespoke fonts, but, you know, I wanted to show them to some of our um, front of house staff. And some of them said, you know, we would be concerned about whether it was legible enough. So, yeah, these are conversations that we're always having and they're always specific to the context and to the exhibition. And I think it's an it's actually this exhibition does make one it, anything that makes you so aware of one's own physical experience then transfers that to other people. So it's it continues those conversations in a lot of ways, actually. Um, yeah, exactly. But it's incredibly, incredibly important. And, you know, the Design Museum has quite a diverse audience compared to most museums. And, you know, we're, we're proud that the kinds of exhibitions that we hold attract um, audiences that you know, other museums may not be able to reach, but we also have to make sure that they're accessible to everybody as far as possible. Mm. And while that's a challenge, that's a, it's, a, it's an exciting one, because as you say, like I think a lot of the projects you do are so unique and um, subjects that people wouldn't necessarily consider or, you know, interact with. And so it's a, it's a fascinating challenge, but obviously a really important one. Yeah, and I think also... Uh, 
something to add on ASMR, although it is primarily an audio movement, the exhibition does contain other forms of ASMR as well. For example, visual ASMR. So there's examples of like um, different swirling shapes and like blobs moving through architecture and the use of color and swirls and patterns, um, which kind of induce, can induce ASMR as well. So yeah, the visual is also an important trigger. I think we've tried to make it multimedia where possible. Totally. It's very broad. Like I was fascinated by those on the way in. That's one of the things I um, wanted to talk about on the show because I, that was something that didn't occur to me and was, was really interesting to sort of have a visual element to it, which as you say, it does. Thank you so much, Priya. I, I, I hope this has made people excited to, to go and see the show. I really urge you to. I, there's so much, as you can probably tell from this conversation. And um, I wanted to ask you, Priya, as, as my guest, firstly, to obviously say thank you so much for your time and for coming on and talking about this. And secondly, to ask if there is an artist that you would like us to play out to. Well, since we're talking about sounds that are kind of calming and meditative and soothing, I think I'm going to choose Arlo Parks, who is a very soulful singer and has an extremely soothing and calm voice. And I think it would be a really lovely way to round off this conversation. Oh.